Good morning, church. Glad that you're here, gathered together, so we can continue in worship this morning. We're going to start a new series today, go and go into uh, Easter. We'll end this series at Easter. The series title is "I Don't Know," um, which maybe you have those thoughts right now. You don't know, and so um, so you're uh, you're waiting to find out what's what's next. Um, what's next with toilet paper? What's next with school? What's next with um, work? What's next? Um, you know with uh, Surgical mask, or you know, just uh, what's next? Like, what's for lunch, right, Marjorie? What, like, what's for lunch? That's what we want to know. Like, what's next? So, um, hopefully, we can help answer some of those questions. The things that we do know, we want to focus on those things and put our hope and our trust uh, in that. My favorite tweet so far over this whole um, COVID nineteen uh, pandemonium and pandemic is: uh, if you're not preaching this morning, thou shalt not COVID, then you're not preaching at all. So um, I'm not going to preach that. So I'm not a preacher. I'm going to preach that at all. But anyways, I thought that was the best that I've that I've heard. And ironically, um, with the whole social distancing thing, Baptists have been doing that for a long time. And you can take that as conviction, or you can take it as humor. But we sit at the back row on purpose. And so uh, so anyways, or some of you do anyways. And and then we dis- distance ourselves uh, often from uh, from others. I I read a book one time uh, that Mormons wrote, uh, Baptist at my barbecue. And uh, and I think about social distancing and how uh, there was some training there. Keep them at a distance. Keep those Baptists at a distance. And so anyways, what fun we have. And I grew up in a home where um, you were supposed to know everything. And so if you ever answered, I don't know, maybe I've told you this story before, uh, you were reprimanded. Like, you must know. My, my papa would ask me often, Matt Harvey, what do you know? You know, he would ask me a question. I'd say, Papa, I don't know. And he's like, hey, that's not an answer. I don't know is not an answer. But as you get older and as you grow wiser and your beard turns whiter, you begin to understand that I don't know is a good answer and it's often used. And there's some goodness to it because in our I don't know statement, we have to get down to things that we do know and we hold on to those to those things. Some of the truths that we just sang, the two songs that we just sang, some of those truths are the, some of the truths that I hang on to uh, in, a, in the midst of not knowing what's next, in the midst of uh, as a young, immature person trying to make decisions on whether we should meet or not meet or how we should uh, handle all the situation and the, and the pandemonium that's going on. Like, what do we do about all of that? Lord, I do not not know. And so what do we know? And we begin to trust we begin to trust in those things. Second Chronicles chapter uh, tw- 20 verse 12, uh, King Jehoshaphat is surrounded by a great army and the Israelites are wondering, what are we supposed to do, Lord? What are we supposed to do? And in verse 12, he, he makes this declaration as a prayer to the, to the people and he says, Lord, we do not know what to do, but we will keep our eyes upon you. And what a simple statement. What a simple prayer that many of us could, could just model in this, even in this moment of virus, things going viral. Literally, um, and financial, um, you know, just like uncertainty, just the uncertainty of of parenting, even in those moments, or grandparenting, or whatever the case may be. Um, what a what a great statement! What a great prayer we could say, Lord. We do not know what to do in this situation. It is a great army. I have four kids, and they're surrounding me. What do I do, Lord? I'm going to keep my eyes. I'm going to keep my eyes upon you. And that's kind of the hope I think throughout Scripture. That in those difficult circumstances, or even in the good circumstances, when quail and manna have been given to you, and yet you still grumble and complain, even in those blessed moments, our eyes should still be fixed upon 
upon the Lord. I'm a little bit different. Maybe Ryan can identify with this. Uh, when, it, when there's times of crisis, I feel like I do better in life. Like I, I, It helps me to minimize fleeting things. And so I think for us, a pandemic like this is a, great, is a great opportunity for us to minimize fleeting things and maximize the eternal king, for us to look towards priority. When we're, when we're in a, a time of uncertainty, maybe even a time of persecution, what a great opportunity for the name of Christ to be proclaimed. Think about this in the future. Maybe it'll happen today. The, the hope is that, it'll, that it will. Every nation upon this earth right now knows the name of COVID-19. They know coronavirus. And they think that it is in control. They think that it's Lord. And so they're looking for a rescuer. They're looking for help. They're looking for the remedy. They're looking for the remedy. Philippians 2 tells us, Paul tells us this, that there will be a day, there will be a day when every nation will know the name of Jesus. Well, everyone will bow at his name in heaven, on earth, and below the earth. Everyone will know that he is the only worthy one to worship. He's the only remedy, the only rescuer. He's the only hope that we have. And church, this is what we know to be true. This is what our foundation is, that Christ is that Christ is enough. He is the remedy. He's the rescuer. He is enough. And this is why, what a great opportunity for us to proclaim those excellencies to the world. So the next five, uh, five weeks, we're going to study John 14 together. You're probably very, very familiar with it already. Many of us in this room are, I know. Uh, you've heard some of it preached um, over and over again at funerals. And so we're going to look at that funeral piece this morning and hopefully learn from, from the Lord. So turn to John chapter 14, putting our hope in Christ, our continued hope in his word, uh, trusting that it, it will be the, the thing that helps us discern on what to do next, uh, helps us, uh, his word will help us to understand how to handle even uh, loving our neighbors or social distancing or if we're supposed to give high fives and hugs in this time or if we're just supposed to keep our distance, whatever the case may be. We want to glorify Christ. And I would say this, um, if in the next uh, days or weeks, like you know of people who are panicked and feared, and maybe even people that become ill because of a virus, what do we know in this situation? Who do you know in this situation? And who will you point people to? What What will your hope be? My hope for you, pastorally, is that you will continue to put your hope in Christ. And that no matter what tomorrow looks like, or 30 minutes from now looks like, still your hope remains in Christ and Christ alone. And maybe this time the, the Holy Spirit will begin to convict us and show us things in our life that we've been holding on to, things that we think are going to satisfy us, things that we think that are going to be the remedy for life, the remedy for the lack of life even. My hope is this, my prayer has been this this week specifically, that our hope would be in Christ and Christ alone. And there would be a group of people in this town, in this county, that would proclaim the message of Christ and His excellencies and that alone. Let me pray for us again before we study John 14. Lord, we thank You for the opportunity to gather this morning. I think about the fears of some who, who are concerned that um, we shouldn't meet God, my desire is that your name is lifted up to hold on to the promises that you are enough, that you are it. 
that our only hope is in you and you alone. And so God, in this time of uncertainty that many are experiencing, let we as your church, whom you purchased with your blood, whom you have adopted into your family, now let us be the ones who are secure, who are not fearful of viruses, not fearful of finances, not fearful of things that we might lose, but instead only fearful of you and all of you, worshiping you and you alone. And let us as your people not wait for the day to proclaim your name, but instead let us be a part of that today, proclaiming and worshiping you and you alone. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. John 14, starting in verse 1. You probably are familiar with these words. Let your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled. Maybe you've said that this week even. Hey, calm down. Just for a moment, take a deep breath. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. These are the words of Jesus. Comforting his disciples in a time of uncertainty. In a time of not knowing. What's next, Lord? What's next, Jesus? We've been following you, but what's next? You just told us that Peter's going to deny you. Are we all going to deny you? Is th- are things going to get so difficult that, we, that we're going to look towards things of this earth? Like, what's, what's next? There's just all this uncertainty. And those of us who belong to God today, those of us who have been adopted through His Son, Jesus, we can hold on to these words. Believe in Christ. Believe, believe in God. Believe also in Christ. And then Jesus goes on to explain something. He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you. So I'm telling you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. You you know these words, right? I remember singing these words as a kid, a song by a group named Audio Adrenaline, Big House, thinking about all the things that we're going to do in this big, big house that he's got where there's lots and lots of room, and we can use a broom, and we can play football, we can eat at the table, all the things that we want to do in this big, big house that the Lord is preparing us, uh, preparing for us. Uh, my family called my grandparents' house from Fort Worth, the big house. We can't wait to get to the big house for Thanksgiving, for Christmas. Oh, how fun it's going to, how fun it's going to be. Christ is telling his disciples, I know that you're uncertain. I know that you don't know what's next, so let's focus in on some certainty. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And just a little side note for you. The thought is this, that because Christ hasn't returned yet, he's still preparing a place for us. Yes, he's seated at the right hand of God. Yes, the work of salvation is completed. He's still in the work, in the process of preparing a place. We still have the hope that he's preparing a place for us for us. So obviously our thought here is Jesus is talking about a house and so the disciples begin to think about a geographical location. Give me the GPS coordinates of where this house, where this land, where this kingdom is to be established. Give us the coordinates so we can meet you at this place. I'm going to prepare. There are many rooms. If it were not so, what I've told you is I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, verse 3 says, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may also be. So Jesus is talking about this place, and the disciples' minds go to this physical place. Well, we want to know. We want to know where, where you are, Jesus. Have you said that this week? Among the co- coronavirus pandemonium 
in the financial crisis that some are experiencing, if not all of us, as you went to the store and thought, what in the world is going on? Why are there so many? I thought I was the only crazy one, but come to find out, we're all crazy. In that moment of, of mess, did you say, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, where are you in this mess? Why aren't you here among us? Why have you left us? When are you going to when are you going to return? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am you may also be. There's such great imagery here that Christ has given to us. I want to tell you how simple this is for us. He is not giving us the GPS coordinates so we can make our way there ourselves. He's not saying follow these five pillars, go up these five steps, do these things properly, and then once you do those things properly, you will achieve or you will get to where I am. Oh, how comforting it is to know, just like when my dad left me hunting in places and he said, don't move, I will come back and get you. Don't worry about finding me. I will come and rescue you in the moment of trouble or in the moment of need or just in the moment of blessedness. I will come to where you are. Our Father, through the Son here, is promising us this. You don't have to worry about trying to earn your way or get your way there or do the five things correctly or whatever the case may be. Instead, we have the comfort of just trusting in Christ. But we're human, right? And so we have examples of men like Thomas, doubting Thomas, who five weeks from now we will remind ourselves he's no longer doubting, okay? But for a moment we'll call him doubting Thomas. Verse 4 says, and you know the way where I am going. You know the way. You know the way. That's my Paul saying, Matt Harvey, don't say I don't know. you got to know. This is Jesus saying, you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, doubting Thomas, he said to them, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? If we have no idea where this house is or this land is, or we don't know the path, the road, we don't have the GPS coordinates, we can't plug it into our Google, like just put a pin so we can know the way. What do you mean we know the way? And you know, because you've studied this and you haven't memorized, how Jesus answers him. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. How simple is that? Yet did you remind yourself, did you remind yourself, teachers, this week, when school is canceled for three weeks? Did we remind ourselves of this when the stock market crashed? Did we remind ourselves of this when the whole world has gone crazy about toilet paper and coronavirus? Did we sit down and preach the gospel to ourselves? Wait a minute. These things aren't the way. These things will never... This is not the remedy. Oh, we're going to find a vaccine for this. It's still not the remedy. Christ is. Christ is it. And it's weird to walk in that. Yet you'll experience fear soon. You'll experience a moment where you say, I don't know, soon. And you'll wonder, what's the answer? And Sunday school will come back up if you've been raised in Sunday school. Or this redneck's words just will echo in your mind. Or the Holy Spirit will use something to remind you, Jesus is the way, the truth, 
and the life. And as lies are told, as lies are told, like get corona and die, the truth will echo in your mind. Corona isn't the wages of sin. Corona doesn't lead to death. The wages of sin leads to death. And if you want the remedy for that, you must know the way, the truth, and the life. And that is only Christ. And when the world and sin and Satan tempt us to believe that life looks like this, maybe like last week, when it was good, or maybe like the hope that we have, oh, when all this is over, it's going to be good. And we think that's the life, the abundant life. We remind ourselves that Christ is the life. And he's gone to prepare a place for us that we might dwell with him for eternity. Do you know why heaven is heaven? It's not because it's a big house. It's not because it has many rooms. It's because Jesus is there. That's why it's heaven. I mean, think back the story that we know of the Bible from the beginning. God dwelt with his creation. He walked with them. He walked and dwelt and lived with his creation, with his people. He walked with them on the earth. And then sin and rebellion came and separated that. And so what happens? What, what needs to happen? God needs to provide another way that we might be in his presence, that we might be able to dwell with him again, walk with him again. So he begins to set that plan into action. He comes up with a covenant. Hey, here's what, here's what will happen. I'm going to set up a sacrificial system. My presence will be here, but for you to get to my presence, you're going to have to go through all these things that you might dwell. And just so you know, you're not going to be able to dwell there long because my presence is going to be overwhelming. But go through all these steps, through all this sacrifice, and you'll get to dwell with me. Praise God that it's still not that way. A new covenant came in. I want to dwell with you forever. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up a new covenant with you people, full of sin, full of impurity, full of unholiness, not able to come into my presence because of who you are, because of sin that's in you. I want to set up a new covenant for you. I want to provide a way for you to be in right relationship with me so that we might dwell together, so we might live together, so we might walk together. And so he provides for us himself. He provides for us Christ, the only holy, pure thing in this world. Christ walks upon the earth, Emmanuel, God with us, to come to rescue us. He walks with us, walking perfectly to provide the perfect sacrifice. So the whole world might know, worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to take away the sins of the world. So Christ comes and dwells with us and walks with us. And here we meet up with him in John 14 as he's been walking with his disciples. And yet he's about to leave. We want to walk with you. We want to continue walking with you and following you. And so a new thing happens. We find out as we continue on here. We'll study a little bit more in the few, next few weeks. No longer does he just want to reside, reside outside of us and us see him, but he also wants to reside inside of us. And so as Christ promises to leave and ascend and go back to heaven, he promises that he will send himself, God also, the Holy Spirit to come and reside 
inside of us. How different is that? The garden was walking with God. In the broken world that we're in now, where we feel like we have no hope, God says, I'm going to live inside of you, living through you. And then there will be a day, the day that we are awaiting for, when Christ returns and restores all things, makes all things right, a new heaven, a new earth, and we walk in the presence of the Lord forever. Jesus says, Thomas, listen, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do not know him, you do know him and have seen him. We see the Father because we have seen the Son. We know the Father because we know the Son. You want to know God? Know the Son. You want to know the Holy Spirit? Know the Son. Know, the, know God. Like This is important for us. In the times of, I don't know, when you say, I don't know, turn to Scripture. Search what we do know. We know the Son. We have recorded, we have recorded stories about Him, truth about Him. Study who He is and know who God is also. Another disciple, Philip, said to him in verse 8, Lord, even though you just said, if we know you, we will also know the Father, and if we've seen you, we will also see the Father, still show us the Father. And then makes this very great statement. Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Is it? Even this morning, if you were to see the Father... Is it enough for us? If you were to see Christ manifested, His glory revealed to us in totality, would it be enough? What if His glory was just revealed partially? Would it be enough? Would it be enough? And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me? Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How could you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? This is all new stuff. This is all new for them. What do you mean that God can reside in us? You're saying that you're going to bring us to the place that God is, but you're also, gonna, you're also telling us now that God can reside in us? This whole dwelling and abiding and living together with God doesn't make any sense. And even you this morning, I'm so impure. I'm so unworthy. I make so many bad choices. I'm so at fault. I'm so sinful. Can I really be in the presence of God? Can God really come and reside in me? It doesn't make any sense. And so you want to say, I don't know. Your mind wanders to that. And so we take the words of Paul and we say, Lord Jesus, help us to take captive our thoughts and battle not like people of this world, but instead... Trust in you and your work. Not my own. Not my own wisdom, my own discerning, my own leaning on my own self. But instead, let me trust in you and you alone. Philip and Thomas and Peter and all these guys. Common men, full of sin, because they're fishermen, <laughs> because they're humans because they rebel, because they have doubts. They're wondering, is Jesus 
really the way? Is he the truth? Is he the life? Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Verse 10 says, Do you not believe that I, I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Jesus says, Don't look to yourself to gain understanding. Look to me. Look to my words. We can do this today too. Look to the words of Jesus today that have been recorded for us and preserved for us and kept for us that we might continue to hear them and study them. David, the psalmist, Psalm 119. Read it every day. Meditate on the truths of Christ. Look at the words of Christ when you say, I don't know. And then look at the works of Christ when you say, I don't know. What has he done? And then also, what is he doing? And then also, what is he going to do? And that's what you put your hope in. And I know it sounds so simple, and I'm sorry. Because we look for complex, don't we? No, it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than that. Thomas, surely it's more than just trusting in Jesus. There's got to be a path, a boat. There's got to be a way. You're saying you're the only way? Philip, wait a minute here. Jesus, are you saying that if we've been walking, as we've been walking with you, we've been walking with the creator of the universe? Jesus, are you saying that as we've been walking and following you, on our whole search for finding Yahweh, or finding God, we've been with him the whole time? How many of us in our I don't know statements are saying that? Well, I'm searching to find the truth. Or I want to find the way. Or I want to find life. Or I want to find God. And the whole time, the whole time, and some of this may, may not be you agree with, but the whole time that you're searching and trying to find God, God knows exactly where you are. No need to search and search and search to find Him. He knows your desperate state, your lowly state, your sinful state. He knows your need of rescuing. He knows that you cannot rescue yourself. You don't have enough strength. You're too impure. You're too unholy. And so he provides the way. This whole time the disciples were finding, we're searching, we're finding, we're, we're on a path, we're going to find God. And Jesus profoundly answers them, Philip, <laughs> this whole time you've been searching, I've been right here. Prodigal son's story is the same thing. The brother who was so ashamed of his lost, wayward brother, even though he came home and was rescued. Him and his dad duking it out. Dad, why did you throw this party? Son, you've been with me the whole time. You've been with me the whole time. Celebrate that you've been with the Father the whole time. The Father knows, who we, knows our need. He knows who we are. And so we look to him and we say, in repentance, Father, forgive me for trying to forgive my own sins. Father, forgive me for trying to sacrifice self 
<laughs> or in Mandy's case, for me trying to sacrifice her so that I might be pure and holy. Lord, thank you for providing the way. Let not my sin keep me from you, but instead remove my sin that I might be in your presence. Verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask anything in my name. We'll get to that in the future. Verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, another guide to be with you forever, another counselor to be with you forever. So there's no doubt we can trust in that God is providing himself to us. GPS coordinates, pin, uh, pins on your phone, way, way, um, way marks or whatever the case may be, waypoints, benchmarks, so that we know who the Father is. He provides these things for us. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. Then I want you to skip, uh, or we'll move to 18, and then we'll finish this morning. 18 through 24 here. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am... In my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And whoever has, has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest or show myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Verse 23. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. This week in times of I don't know, as soon as you think that, go to the word. Go directly to the word. Do not collect $200. Don't go straight to jail, whatever the case may be. Go to the word. Immediately. And if someone in your home is wrestling with, what do we do, what do we do, I just don't know. Someone that you work with, someone that you are in fellowship with, someone that you're in community with, go directly to the Word. Point each other to the Word. Here's what the Word says. This is our only hope. The Word is pointing us to Christ, our only hope. And this is enough for us. This, is, this whole scene here for me is interesting. Because as we go back to Thomas's words of, we do not know, and Jesus saying, you do know the way. This doesn't, ma- this doesn't uh, necessarily matter all the time. And I probably overdo this. And I'm sorry. I apologize for this. This was written in Greek. And sometimes it's important for us to look at Greek words. So, so the word to know is the word gnosis in Greek. Now you know my password, by the way. Gnosis. Okay? To know is gnosto or gnosko. Okay, so to know. Gnosis, to know. To know things. If you don't know something, put an A in front of it. Agnosis. If you don't know if there's a God, you call yourself agnostic, which means you don't know, which could also be taken that we are ignorant. 
So wouldn't you assume that when Jesus says, you know the way to where I'm going, he would use the word gnosis? And wouldn't you assume that when Thomas said, Lord, we do not know the way to where you're going, he would also use the word gnosis or agnosis, saying we don't know, we are ignorant of this place. Neither of them use that word. Instead, they use another word that we have been talking about for a while now from 1 Peter. Catch this, please, before we go this morning. They use the word, the Greek word, oikos, which means the place, the family, where God is. The building where God is. The dwelling place of the Lord. The, the family of God. Where is God? When Jesus is saying, I'm preparing a place for you, many rooms in my Father's place, and he says, you know the family, you know the way, you know where this family is, you know where this household is, you know where this belonging is, and Thomas answers, how do we know where the household is? How do we know where the belonging of God is, the people who belong to God is? How do we know these things? And Jesus says, I'm the way to the belonging place of God, to the dwelling place of God. I'm the truth behind the dwelling place of God. I'm the life so that you can get into the family, the dwelling place of God. And then as I pointed out, how many times just in those, that short little section there between 1 and 24, how many times was there thought of God dwelling with us, God being with us, God promising to make his home with us. We're trying our best to build a home. Lord, we're trying to make it perfect. We're tidying it up as much as we can. We're trying to remove sin as much as we can so that you can come and dwell among us. And the whole time Jesus is crying out, no, you cannot tidy it up enough. You cannot remove the sin. Unless the Lord builds the houses or labor in vain, let me do the building. Trust in me. Know that my work is enough. And you also will be with me where I am. And this week, when you don't know, trust in Christ. Put your hope in Him. Do I belong to God? I don't know. Trust in the work of Christ. Do I have hope of tomorrow? I don't know. Trust in the work of Christ. Trust in the words of Christ. Our Creator God, who Zach mentioned just a moment ago could kill the coronavirus, could also wipe out every human upon this earth. But in his steadfast love, in his rich mercy, in his overwhelming compassion towards us and to the world, says, greater story. I'm going to go and rescue my people. I'm going to go and provide a way for them. I'm going to show them truth in the midst of brokenness and lives, lies. And I'm going to provide for them life now and for eternity. When you say, I don't know this week, be like Jehoshaphat. Lord, we don't know, but we will keep our eyes fixed upon you, for we know this is, this is good. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, in the difficulty of the moment, in the wrestling that we all have, in the temptation to believe lies and trust in things that we think will satisfy us, Lord, as the people belonging to you, increase our trust in you and you alone. God, I'm thinking about the words of C.S. Lewis 
who remind me and just convict me so often of how nothing in this world will satisfy. Everything leaves me longing. And how that longing should remind me that if I've seen the Son and I've seen the Father and it is enough. So God, I repent of that as a pastor of this church, as a husband, as a father, as a friend. The many moments just in this past week that I've wanted other things. God, thank you for your mercy. God, thank you that you saw our desperate state and knew that we were incapable of rescuing ourselves. They were incapable of even following your, your old covenant with us. And so in your mercy, God, you've provided a new way for us, a new covenant for us in your son Jesus. God, would you grow our desire, our passion, our affection for your son and for your dwelling place? God, so that we might truly minimize fleeting things and maximize the eternal king. God, I know, because I know our people a little bit, and even as I walk down from this platform, I will begin to question my own words this morning. Is Christ really enough? And so if it takes more pandemic or persecution, whatever it takes, Lord, grow in your people a passion and a trusting that you are enough. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.